joining us now from Lahore in Pakistan is uh, one of Pakistan's greatest names uh, of Pakistani cricket. We are very pleased to welcome to 98 Out, Mr. Amir Sahel. Amir, welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me on your show anyways. I gather it's a very busy time in your country uh, with uh, the red list and uh, people trying to scramble to get repositioned. Um, how have you been coping? Oh, well, my daughter and my wife were supposed to be there before the 9th and it was hectic, let me tell you that. And, uh, you know, getting a, getting a flight was an ordeal. But finally, it happened. They are back in uh, Oxford and uh, I'm happy about it. Excellent, excellent. So for our younger listeners that maybe don't know, um, I should point out that uh, Amir is a veteran of 47 test matches, 156 ODIs, and was a part of that famous... Pakistan side that won the World Cup in 1992. Uh, what are your greatest memories, Amir, of that career? Well, the greatest memories, uh, you know, obviously, uh, if, you, if you're growing up as a cricketer, you want to represent your country. And I, when I got my test cap, that was the greatest moment. Yes, you know, I represented Pakistan at the World Cup, but for, for, a, for a budding cricketer to get a test cap is a big moment. And it happened in 92 during that English tour. And uh, I was given my cap uh, uh, during the first test match of that series, played at, uh, in Birmingham. So that was a proud moment. And there were plenty other, yes, winning the World Cup and uh, captaining Pakistan uh, were other joyous moments. But uh, the prou proud moment was when I get the test cap. And I guess uh, appearing at Lords for the first time in a Pakistan shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played my second test match there. And, uh, you know, I did okay. And I still regret that I, I was playing so well and I could have scored 100 on my you know, first test match at, at Lords, but I missed out uh, good memories of that tour and also whenever I came over to England and played my cricket. That, that would have been a dream, a century, uh, your first visit, my word. And uh, the 92 World Cup, um, I remember that. I, you and I are very similar age, so um, I'll ask you in a minute about um, your heroes growing up and the names, the great names you played alongside. But for me, you know, I remember Javed, uh, Imran, Safraz, and um, we were looking last week, Madassa Nazar had his birthday last week. And um, I remember um, his performance in England, particularly 82, I think, was uh, when he really made a name for himself uh, over here. Yeah, he was. Mudassar Nazar was like, uh, you know, a role, a role model for us. And, uh, you know, one thing uh, about Mudassar Nazar was that he was always helpful. You know, when it came to the youngsters, he was always there. He had all the time uh, for the youngsters to actually impart his uh, uh, experience and knowledge of the game. And, uh, you know, I've always respected that chap. My childhood heroes, you know, I, I would say I was really impressed with Wasim Hassan Raja, uh, my his uh, soul rest in peace. He was a fantastic guy, very helpful as well. And he was the one who actually turned my career. I used to bat uh, in middle order. He was the one who was insistent that, insistent that I should open the innings. And he kept on giving me the confidence. Yes, you can play the new ball very well. You know, you don't have any problems with the pace. So you start opening the innings. And uh, upon his ins insistence, I started to open the innings and eventually I got the opportunity to play for Pakistan. Then when I was growing up, uh, David Gower, uh, what, a, what an elegant player he was. And for a left-hander, you know, <laughs> he, he had to be the role model. And then 
there were quite a few others. Uh, Ian Botham was my hero. You know, we, we used to uh, actually ask our friends and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, family that record uh, test matches played in England and send it to us. And at that time, we had VHS tapes and uh, Beta and all that. So we used to watch and our friends used to gather, sit down and watch uh, batting and bowling of, uh, our, you know, heroes. And then uh, Alan Border was there as well. Javed Niyadad, I learned a lot from him. There's a long list of, uh, of players who I actually tried to follow. Isn't there a famous quote about um, Ian? But I think it was in the 92 World Cup final, was it, where he was, was out for a duck and you said to him, it's, uh, you should maybe send your mother-in-law into bats. Is that true? I, we had a chat about that, actually. We had a chat about that in 96. Uh, I remember I, I fractured my skateboard uh, bone and uh, uh, I was not playing that test match at Leeds and I was having a look at the pitch and... Uh, uh, so Ian Botham was there. So I went up to him, uh, shook hands, and I said, let the bygones be bygones. If I, you know, if I was over the line, I, you know, I apologize and all that. And then he asked me that, why don't you come and, um, you know, have a chat over a cold beverage after the game, <laughs> which, we did, which we did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I gave my point of view and where he was coming from was, was true as well. So that was, message was actually sent across to the cricket board as well. That, okay, you know, we have to cater for foreign players. If, if, if they come from a different culture, you know, we, we should be able to, um, you know, compensate for that, you know, provide them with off-the-field activities and all that. So, which started to happen. And I, I gave him my uh, point of view. I, I, I told him, I said, look, you, you, were, you were my role model. And we used to follow you and, uh, you know, something written in the book about the country, you know, wasn't fair. You know, that, uh, that was generalizing. Yeah. And then he gave me his point of view, look, I was flamboyant when I came over to Pakistan, you know, the pitches were dead. And at that time, you know, we were not allowed to go out and all that. It was like suffocating. So, you know, I heard him, but we passed up and, uh, you know, we, we got friends now. Well, that's, that's really good to hear. But it's an interesting, I think... A, from then until this day, I think it's a real trait of Pakistani cricket and actually Pakistan as a nation. There's a lot of passion within the game, but, you know, it's played by passionate people. I wouldn't say aggressive. I think aggressive may be going a bit too far, but certainly there's a lot of fire in the belly when you see all these players and, and uh, to now and going all the way back to then. And um, I think you were pretty much typical of that style of play and the approach to the game. Would you, would you say that's a fair comment? Well, look, uh, like you said, it's, it's, you know, people are very passionate about it. I would say it's the most revered game in Pakistan. And when you talk about even subcontinent and, uh, you know, when, when you talk about representing your country, you have to have fire. You know, you've got to, you've got to have passion. And then you've you got to have that uh, uh, attitude uh, to be able to go out there and perform. And, you know, when I remember when I was playing, there was a battery of fast bowlers wherever we went and they were quality spinners. So if you didn't have the attitude and the aggression, uh, it was very difficult to survive. So, you know, you you got to have that for any professional. You've got to have attitude. And attitude only comes, uh, you know, when you're sure of yourself and you want to compete and you want to do well. So you see you know, even now, there are so many aggressive players. Fakhar Zaman is uh, doing so well. 
uh, you know, he's, he's one of the most aggressive batsmen in the world nowadays and uh, he's, doing, he's, he's doing it uh, quite aptly for Pakistan and he's quite adept at that. Have you got some questions? I have, yeah. I've got some, I've some questions from my star in the army friends, actually. And one of them would be, and I, and I do think it is a problem in test cricket, why has Pakistan failed to produce an, a, a potent opening pair since yourself and Saeed? The thing is, uh, what happened, uh, you know, when, when me and Saeed were going well, and even before that, there, there wasn't a problem. Uh, we had Ramiz Raja, who was doing so well for Pakistan. We had Mudassar Nazar, we had Mohsin Asal Khan. There were quite a few. You know, before that, Sadiq Mohammad, Majid Khan, they were all great players. But the problem is, once we decided uh, uh, to have players who didn't have the technique of the openers, but we, we, we promoted them to go up the order and open the innings for Pakistan in hope of getting, if me and Saeed were getting 110 runs in 15 overs, in hope of getting 150 runs, that was wrong. Because in my opinion, what you show on TV, the youngsters are going to follow. It's a message for the youngsters that, okay, if you want to play for Pakistan, you have to play like that guy who's opening the innings for Pakistan. And that's where it all faltered. But in the process, we did have uh, some good openers. Uh, we could have groomed them. But, uh, you know, when you talk about openers, when you talk about new ball ballers, any, 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 any kind of uh, sportsman, you know, you need to give them a bit of time to settle down. You have to ignore a couple of fa failures. You have to, you know, turn a blind eye. Just keep keep on giving them the confidence. Okay, you know, you got the ability, you got the technique. You know, things will happen for you. You have to stick with the players. But chopping and changing didn't help Pakistan. But e even now, look, uh, Fakhar Zaman was doing well. A few failures, he was dropped from the side. Then we had Imamul Haq. It's 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 about player management. So that's where we are lacking. If we if we learn how to uh, manage the players in a proper way, then uh, your question will be answered. In fact, I mean, we have the same problem, of course, in England, don't we? So it's not, it's not purely a Pakistan problem. You know, we've got cries for Sibley and Burns to be dropped by everybody now because they failed in India. You know, most English batsmen fail in India their first time. That's where selectors, they need to uh, do the diligence. You know, when, when you talk about openers, you, you've got to have technique which... Uh, what the term I should use? Hermetically closed, I should say, uh, you know, technique for the openers. You know, if you have a solid uh, defensive technique and, you know, every stroke is basically an extension of a defensive stroke almost. So if you have a solid technique, uh, you know, hermetically tight technique, then you can excel. But what we lack at the moment, what, when I look around, we actually don't look at that. You know, if you start doing that, look at the technique, look at a player who could actually leave the ball, who could actually defend the ball. And if he's, he's after that, then good things will follow. But we just, just ignore the fact. Do you, do you think that white ball cricket has had... It, I mean, I, I think it's caused an expansion of shots for the lower-order batsmen, middle-order batsmen. But do you think to a degree that's been damaging for your opening batsman? Cricket has evolved and it's going to keep on evolving. Uh, you know, nowadays, if you, if you, if you talk about uh, batsmanship, if you talk about uh, other sports like golf or baseball, you know, those things are combining. So you, you, you are, you're actually looking at different strokes, which are unorthodox. I, 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 I have no problem with that. But the thing is, 
uh, I always believe that a limited player has to do that. If a batsman who, who's got the ability to maneuver the length, okay, if you if you want to upset the bowler, if you, if you think uh, he's bowling on a line of length where which is which is going to be uh, which brings peril for you, so then you try out different things. Okay, I'm going to improvise. I'm going to make him or force him to run away from his that dangerous line of length. So that's where you have to improvise. Otherwise, if you talk about great batsmen, they didn't have to do that. No. You know, if, if, if you took look at the strike rates now, Viv Richards did it in the 70s and 80s. So he, he seldom played such strokes. So I think I have no problem with that. But to see them uh, executed quite off, often, I think, uh, it might, it might, for the purest, for the purest, you know, who are like aficionado, aficionados of the game. For them, it might be irritating, but I have no problem with that. So actually, an, an interesting question from Kamir, one of my friends, was as an opening batsman facing the opening bowling spells, did you yourself have any techniques to frustrate the bowlers to get inside their heads? So that's the putting them off their line that you're talking about there. Yeah, I learned it from Javed Mia, that great Javed Mia. <laughs> Just he said, if if you think the baller is going to dominate, just just try and just try and break his thinking process. Just rile him, rile him up for you know by saying something, or maybe if he's bowling you know, just outside the off stump, try and uh, stand on middle and off stump. So you should be able to play the ball towards onside. So different things he taught us. So yeah. You have to do different things. At times, you know, if, if a baller is bowling outside the off stump, he's just angling the ball away. You know, at times you have to move towards the off stump. At times you have you have to stand outside the leg stump to be able to create that room to free your, free your arms. You know, it depends what type of uh, what type of a baller you are actually playing against. So you know, and then you have to uh, think on your feet, improvise. I remember Javid and Dennis Lilly. That was that was a brilliant confrontation. I saw him doing it for so many ballers. Oh man, he was amazing. He was amazing. So an, an interesting question, actually. So rather than I don't know, I don't know whether it's one you'd like to answer, but who are the worst pair of opening bowlers you faced, rather than the best pair? I'm not sure it was a question you'd want to answer there, really. I would say worst. <laughs> you know, I would say, you know, Devon Malcolm. <laughs> And he really, he really used to scare you because he didn't have that control. On his day, he was the most deadliest baller. But not in, on his day, you know, the worst baller for me is where you cannot predict what's coming. You know, you can only improvise once somebody's predictable. Okay, he's bowling this line of length. If I do this, I'll be able to uh, dominate this baller. But... Once a bowler doesn't have the control, he doesn't know what he's looking to do. It becomes mighty difficult. So, but let me tell you, he was the quickest I ever faced. How, how do you, I mean, the question from me, actually looking at your a 205 at Old Trafford, wow, amazing. How do you concentrate for that long? Look, let me tell you, uh, people might, you know, quite a few people said that was your best innings, but I don't regard it as my best innings. No, actually, you know, for any any professional, there are good days and there are bad days, and you know there are days when everything is happening for you. You don't even have to try. So that was one of uh, that sort of a day where 
I went out initially, uh, we had to struggle. The ball was flying. It was if it was a different pitch, uh, unlike English conditions. You know, it has steep bounds. There was space and everything. We had to adjust initially. And I remember in the first over, I you know, I hit the ball, the first ball for a, for a boundary. There were three slips in place, and a slip was removed. And I think on the fourth ball. Uh, you know, I had to deal with the steep bounds. I had to leap in the air and try to fend that one. It actually gloved. I gloved it and it went past that third slip. <laughs> and from there on, uh, from where the fielder was removed, from there on, I had that feeling that it's going to be my day. Because in the first over, it doesn't happen that uh, third slip is removed. So <laughs> after that, you just keep on uh, hitting the middle of the bat and it just happened. Remarkable! What a fantastic memory. So, what would you? What is your favourite innings? My favourite was against Australia. Uh, that was '94. I got injured. I got hit on the head, and I was uh, hospitalised. Uh, you know, I had a few concussions and all that. And uh, uh, that was the third Test match at Lahore, and uh, we were winning the series. We were uh, uh, one Test match up in that one. We won the match in Karachi, and I was in hospital. I saw five wickets fell. And at tea time, I asked the doctor to give me a painkiller because I couldn't move my neck. So he gave me a painkiller. Uh, I went out to bat with Salim Malik and we managed to save the innings. I, I, I think uh, I batted for about good 90 minutes without scoring a run. And, uh, you know, I, I, I actually played almost four sessions uh, to be able to uh, draw the match and uh, win the series. And I, I think uh, it was against my nature. It was kind of a test of my ability. Uh, I went out there. I kept on defending, 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 and eventually uh, managed to save the test match and scored 100 in the process. So I, I regard it as my best innings. I suspect now you'd have been concussion substituted out, wouldn't you? Do you think, do you think that's a positive, positive thing for cricket now that we have that situation? And you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Yeah, there, there, there are a few incidents where you had to think you know, how to avoid that. So I don't mind that. I think I, I watch rugby um, throughout the winter and they, they, they seem to be miles ahead with that kind of thing. They also more likely to bash their heads than a cricketer, really. But yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. Can I, can I ask you about a, a current-ish situation? Darren and I are both from Essex. Um, and personally speaking, I'm a big Amir fan. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, do you think that we'll see him back in a Pakistan shirt or do you think he's he's done? I think he, he made his decision in a haste. First, he uh, retired from uh, international cricket and then uh, he decided to uh, move away from ODIs and all that. You know, the thing is, maybe he was more attracted uh, uh, to, uh, you know, different leagues around the world and he just wanted to confine himself with a, with a limited cricket, like uh, 20 overs. And I think he made the decisions in haste. Yes, he was struggling at one point. There's no doubt about it. But it happens to everybody in their career. That's where you have to uh, you know, do yourself up and say, okay, if I'm struggling, you know, I, I have to look in the areas where I'm struggling I, and I'm going to improve myself. He, you know, he has the experience. There is no doubt about it. And he's got the ability. He can you know, swing the ball, uh, the new ball. You know, he's got a slow bouncer. He's, he's got everything in his... Uh, uh, armory. I think he rushed into his decisions, and uh, I think uh, you know uh, his 
his decision and what he uh, spoke when he was retiring, uh, when he was challenging few others, it created a bad taste. So I think he has to, uh, you know, he has to sit down with the authorities. Always good to sit down with the authority, authorities like PCB officials and all that, your coach, captain, and ask them, you know, where do you see me in three, four years? What do you want me to do? How how can I improve? So you know, if if that gap is filled between Pakistan cricket board and the players, things would be different. Otherwise, you'll keep on seeing these things happening in our cricket. It's been happening for a long time, and I don't think it's stopping unless or until you know there is coordination. Because any organization, if you talk about any organization, there has to be horizontal and vertical coordination. If it's not there, the organization is going to struggle, and that's what we saw with Amir's case. I hope I hope to see him back. But actually, there are some very fine young bowlers coming through, as always, aren't there in Pakistan? I mean, Shaheen Shah Freed is a sight to behold, isn't he? And what thoughts on Rizwan? Did you watch him yesterday? Well, he, he, you know, he's batting with responsibility. You know, I remember when I saw him uh, uh, opening the innings in uh, New Zealand. You know, he was. He was jumpy, he was nervy, you know, and I thought, why is he being promoted? But, you know, hats off. You know, he really impressed me. You know, he fought it out. Yeah. Uh, he deciphered uh, uh, a way to be able to deal with it. Now he's been consistent. The good thing about him is now he's batting with responsibility. He's not looking to play uh, uh, everything. He's not looking to send everything out of the boundary line. Now, you know, if you if you... If you see him closely, he's leaving the ball. He's working the ball into the gaps because most of the players, they, they, you know, they, they misconstrue limited over cricket, like even T20. You know, singles and doubles are very important. And, you know, when you see young batsmen coming out, they're only thinking about hitting boundaries. You know, if you can't hit boundaries, look for singles, rotate strike, ask your partner to do the job for you. So that's what Rizwan has been doing. He's batting with the responsibility. And that's why he's been consistent. We have to mention Babar, who actually for me is that he's one, he's in the top three. He's one of the very best in the world, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, he makes me proud because uh, I remember when I was director of National Academies and uh, game development, somebody uh, brought him to the Nets. Uh, you know, I had uh, players from all over Pakistan coming there and we were like uh, identifying talents that, okay, these are the players they should be able to represent Pakistan in the next two years or after a year or after five years. So he came along and, uh, you know, he was talented. There were a few flaws. Uh, we worked on his flaws and we emphasized that you have to improve your technique. And, you know, we, we I'm, I'm proud. We instilled something in him that batting conventionally is going to take you further. But if you, if you, if you, if you fall into the trap of, uh, what people say that contemporary cricket demands have changed, they haven't. The demands are the same. Uh, yeah, you need to uh, uh, improve your fitness, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, to be able to stay consistent, you have to uh, keep on working on your technique. But he's got a good, solid technique and he's been performing well. And if you if you try and explain Babur Zaman, you'll, uh, in my opinion, you'll run out of uh, superlatives. So let's say... He's doing brilliantly for Pakistan. How old was he when you first saw him? He was about 13, 14. 
Right, okay, interesting. So you can yeah. see the potential at that age. Yeah, the potential was there. Yeah, the, like I said, you know, he had to, uh, uh, you know, improve his technique, which he did. And, you know, he's, he's a good learner. That's the best thing about him. He's, he's, he doesn't stop learning. And I hope he doesn't stop learning because if he stops learning, you know, that, that'll be the day. You know, his downfall is going to happen. I mean, I was going to ask you about the impact of COVID, which for me has been particularly hard on Pakistani people because just before COVID hit, Pakistan was coming back, in terms of cricket, was coming back into the international scene. We had uh, the PSL played on Pakistani soil, MCC toured, Sri Lanka came back and, you know, the, the dark period was over and it looked like, and for the, for the fans to be able to see top-class cricket in locally was fantastic. And we got some signs of that from, from some of the early games of the PSL. And then for everything to be closed down by COVID must have been heartbreaking for Pakistani cricket fans. Look, these are unusual times. Nobody can do anything. You, know, you, 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 you can be ultra careful, but such is the situation that you, know, you, 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 know, you have to deal with these things. It was unfortunate. You remember the last PSL, a similar kind of a thing happened. Few foreign players had the COVID because of that. We had to uh, call it off and uh, had to complete it the next year. Uh, and now a similar kind of a thing happened. So, so you know, you have to shrug your shoulders. And and one thing you have to tell yourself next time, we need to be better prepared. I'm going to ask you. We're going to wrap this up shortly. I wanted to ask you just a slightly different question. Um, just about Pakistan as a nation. Uh, I follow uh, Pakistani politics quite loosely, but I follow it. And I was interested to hear your views on how things have changed because there used to be a problem between metropolitan Pakistan, so Karachi, Lahore, Islamabad, having very different attitudes and setups to some of the more, uh, if you go up into the hills and up to the mountains where people and villages and communities still live in an old fashioned way. And they, you know, they listen to their elders and the structure's different. What problems do, 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 does uh, the politicians or governments have in trying to unite such different styles of living? Cricket unites everything. <laughs> Great it, does. <laughs> it, does. It, it does, but, but let me tell you, you know, cricket is a game which has grown exponentially. And same as the thing uh, which had, you know, which have happened in Pakistan. Uh, you know, initially it was just Lahore and Karachi, but it, it just went everywhere in Pakistan. The only thing, uh, the only problem we had to face was uh, infrastructure. But, you know, infrastructure has been improved. Uh, and now you see not many players coming from Lahore, very few, uh, few from Karachi. You'll see uh, most of the players coming from KPK, Central Punjab, or uh, Interior Sindh, which is a good thing. But that's where... Uh, Pakistan Cricket Board needs to raise their game and and the politicians there really have to think that since you know hockey nobody is interested uh, squash we were number one nobody's interested billiards nobody's interested any other sport yeah golf people are taking up golf in Pakistan any other sports people are not youngsters are not interested the only thing they are interested in is cricket so we have to create facilities wherever there is uh, mm, you know, new development, we, we have to make sure that we have a couple of cricket grounds there. We have to, uh, you know, encourage communities to come out and uh, participate in, you know, in sports and all that. That's where I think PCB and our governments, they need to raise the game. 
And if we are able to do that, we'll provide more opportunities to the youngsters. And who knows how many out of them are going to represent Pakistan. Uh, and uh, these days you're behind the microphone quite a lot. Um, what's your, your neck? Where can uh, our listeners and viewers uh, hear, hear your voice next? Uh, I'm actually traveling to Sri Lanka tomorrow for Sri Lanka and Bangladesh series. And after that, uh, it's going to be PSL. And after PSL, it's going to be Sri Lankan League. So I'll be involved there. And also my YouTube channel, they can follow it. You know, I, I keep on uh, I know, uh, uploading vlogs there. We'll give everyone a link. We'll put it at the bottom of the screen so that people can uh, can click across to your yeah. channel from, from us. But it's uh, an absolute honour and a pleasure. And oh, uh, really, nice. really interesting chat. So from, from, from Debbie and I, um, many, many thanks. Cheers. Likewise. Likewise.